Hello and welcome to another episode of the Successful Home Ownership Show with your host Richard McKenzie out of the greater Cincinnati area, northern Kentucky, uh, Mainville, Morrow, uh, which is north, uh, northeast Cincinnati, as well as the Dayton areas. And today's episode is going to be a lot of fun. How many of you are familiar with barndominiums? What is that? To quote a Steve Martin uh, line from many moons ago, what is that? Uh, So how do you spell barndominium? B-A-R-N-D-O-M-I-N-U-I-U-M. So barndominium. And barndominiums are not new. However, in wherever you may live listening to this podcast, you may not have heard of them because in some areas they are very popular and some areas they are not. Obviously, when you think of a barn and a condominium and you slam them together, um, you may think of something that needs a lot of land. You'd probably be right. You're not going to find one in the middle of a city. You're not going to find one even in an uptown area, which is not quite downtown, but not quite suburbs, somewhere in between. But you are going to find them, perhaps in the hyphenated land, which I would say is where the roads are named. Uh, One road to another road with a hyphen, excuse me, one town to another town with a hyphen in between creates a road that maybe spans two counties. We have a lot of those in the greater northern Cincinnati area, up above Cincinnati. And um, so, and in in various counties surrounding Cincinnati, we have uh, barn dominiums. Um, So having inspected one, uh, I've inspected several, but I didn't really know the name of what I was inspecting previously, but now I do. Uh, This is a fascinating topic because... So let's set the record straight. What is a barn dominium? I'm going to read a uh, internet definition here. A barn dominium or barndo is a metal pole barn, post frame or barn-like structure with sheet metal siding that has been partially or fully converted into a fin- furnished home or living area. So what you are getting at is you have Part of the structure is going to be a big oversized garage that you would expect to see. And for the one that uh, I inspected recently, a couple weeks ago, it had two great big oversized doors, not your typical two-car garage door, although you could have two of those side by side. But what if perhaps if you were into RVing and you wanted to put one of those in there? What if you lived near an area that had a large lake and you had a sailboat and you wanted to get that in the garage to park it. So having the oversized 24 or 30 foot tall garage doors might be something that you need. Well, you can do that with a barn dominium, which this particular one that I inspected absolutely did do that. Now, where are you going to put a barn dominium and how much land are you going to need? You're going to need probably at least five acres to pull one off and have a a decent environment where um, I think the whole point of having a barn dominium is you do want more land, therefore you are out in the country and you have um, 
maybe you are interested in homesteading. That's one thought. I don't know if that particularly falls into this category, but maybe you want to do some partial approximating homesteading where you're somewhat self-reliant. Maybe you have a a diesel generator or a propane generator. Um, Maybe, maybe not. So let's kind of approach this inspection and, and when, when the inspector is planning to inspect the property and when you as the buyer are, are planning to uh, schedule the inspection and you realtor when you, or realtist when you are planning to um, have your client get it inspected, what are some things that you need to consider? Well, with a barn dominium, you have the structure itself but if you have a large piece of property like this one was at least this one was um was it eight and a half acres there about i think that was about right about eight and a half acres which is a large piece of property but certainly not monstrous sized um if you have that you're probably going to have some additional structures on the property and some other considerations do you have a cistern or a well Do you have a septic system? Chances are the septic system is almost going to be a given. The public water versus well versus cistern is going to be maybe 75% of the time you might have a cistern or well. Maybe even, maybe quite, maybe not quite that much, maybe 50% of the time. This one actually had public water, so we weren't concerned about. about a well however it did have one external spigot that was a well and it was an old-fashioned hand pump well and it basically you lift up the lever and the water starts coming out and it worked just fine now that isn't necessarily meant for drinking water for you maybe it's for animals but not for for human consumption maybe perhaps without being filtered sometimes they can have a lot of high sulfur, a lot of metals, radon can be also in well water. So those are considerations before you use a well for human consumption. Usually it does need to be filtered um, and, and, and possibly treated, uh, which would be for coliform bacteria, which would be for also nitrates and nitrites, uh, also for E. coli bacteria. And local county water companies tend to have the ability to do those tests. So if you do have a well, there are some things to consider. One of them is the well flow rate. That's not something that we can necessarily calculate ourselves. But if we run water for 30 minutes or 45 minutes during the inspection, and if the, let's say, upstairs, if there's an upstairs, spigots, for the kitchen for, for the bathroom sink start to reduce then you may have a problem um, with with pressure and with how deep the well is or how it's performing um, wells can go dry sometimes when underground rivers change so th- these are things to be considered for a well flow and bacteria test um, these are things you want your inspector to be able to do okay all right Um, Let's also talk about other things on the property. You may have gravel driveways. You may have several gravel driveways. Uh, You may have some asphalt, some concrete pads, some 
um, gravel driveways. And then these are things to consider and think about the condition. Drainage is very important. Uh, you may have a pipe that comes out from where the laundry is discharged and where the laundry is discharged it goes out and then it comes up to a pipe that goes upward curves over about 24 inches high and then drops into a drainage ditch and that is where your dishwasher may empty out as well as your laundry your, your washing machine and then that drainage ditch you want to make sure is not all clogged up with debris. Now this particular inspection we had had a lot of heavy rain recently and where the property line ended and, and fed into the neighbor's drainage canal, drainage ditch, whatever you want to call it, about three foot wide, maybe four foot, um, it was all clogged up with a bunch of debris, branches and vines and other stuff. Well, that's, that's not good. That, that does need to be able to flow freely. So you may have some, air, some other things to look at on the property, not just the barn dominium. The lay of the land, how things drain away from the house. Barn dominiums are typically going to be on concrete slab foundations, which probably are going to be five inch, maybe six inches, steel reinforced rebar kinds of pores well segmented you don't want cracks all over the place so you want to be looking at that um, other things outside are going to be the septic system um, a lot of these are going to be mound aerobic systems or just mound sand systems that are not aerobic and they filter really well but you're going to have a mound and you need to have an eye to look at drainage and how water is going to flow away from the barn dominium and flow into that drainage ditch. Uh, you may see several uh, French drain systems coming off of the gutters, the gutter downspout extensions from the barn dominium. This one actually had water dropping at each corner and those weren't extended. So that definitely was one of the suggestions put in the report. Does a concrete slab foundation need gutters and need gutter extensions? Yes. Concrete slabs crack. It's not just about getting water in a basement, which is not present at a barn dominium, but you definitely want to make sure you have uh, extensions that take water away from the property. Now, I said don't have basement. I suppose it's possible of a barn dominium to have a basement dugout and then you have your uh, metal pole barn and you turn that into a, a, a house or barn dominium. So yeah, I guess you could have basements, but of the several of these that I've inspected, all of them have been out in the country in the county area, which has a higher water table and thus does not really have lend itself well to basements. They typically have crawl spaces and slabs. Well, Barn dominiums are typically going to have slabs or, I suppose, basements also. Okay, so we've explored some of the things outside. What if there is a pond? Um, do inspectors inspect ponds? Well, to the extent that you want to make sure that there's a sign up that says no swimming. This one did have that. Why? Because you want to try to discourage people from swimming in it, children from straying from other neighbors' yards and going in and drowning. These are things you need to think about as far as your homeowner's insurance as well. So some signage is good. 
but it's not going to be a complete preventative to keep people from going in a pond. And perhaps a pond isn't going to be all that deep, but people can drown in, in, in settings that you wouldn't expect, um, even puddles, if they're held down in like a football scrum or tackle and that kind of thing. That's, that's happened, but neither here nor there. What is a pond also going to have sometimes? Well, um, possibly some short decks or piers that go into the pond uh, where you can like launch a rubber tube, you know, rubber tire tu tube for, for tubing, whatever, rafts, etc. <clears throat> so this one had that and some of the boards were rotted, so that was noted. Um, also, it had an electrical panel back off of the the decking in a, in a gazebo area that was just kind of, I don't know, it was just there and not being used. Uh, it was like a 50 amp breaker and I was trying to figure out what in the world would be rigged up, not in a area that you would park an RV, not uh, anywhere near anything. Why is a 50 amp breaker in a breaker box doing in, out in the middle of nowhere? I don't know the purpose of it, uh, but I do know that um, we noted it as just something present and to ask the homeowners what it is for. Uh, and also it had a, a gazebo and, and a roof for that, which was the same metal roof as the barn dominium, barn dominium. And I'll cover that in a minute. I'll get to the barn dominium uh, metal roofs and proper installations and so forth, because that's a big part of the structure and the inspection. Okay, so continuing on, sometimes you have other properties. So there was another older wooden pole barn that obviously predated the house, the barn dominium. We inspected that. One of the findings in there was that, that the 6x6 posts in there had started to do some rot deterioration where they meet the ground level. So those needed likely to be sistered up, dug out some and sistered to give them um, new strength and integrity. So these are things to be considered. And also there was an electrical panel, a sub panel uh, for the property. And, and by the way, for a property like this, you may end up with two, even sometimes three different bills from the electrical company because you may have two to three meters, thus two to three electrical drops. This one had two. Okay, so that's something to think about as well. And where the uh, line came off of the breaker panel in the wooden older uh, pole barn, that line was on the ground in the mud, and I believe it is the line that fed that 50 ant breaker that I had just figured, uh, just started talking about, just finished talking about. And therefore that needs to be addressed because that is not in conduit underground. That's just simply buried. So that is likely improper. It needs to be addressed by a licensed electrician. Also on the property was a trailer. And this is a construction type trailer that you would expect to see temporarily put on a construction lot when you're building a, let's say an apartment building or an office building um, etc. 
and and I'm sure everybody listening knows what I'm talking about. There's like a construction trailer with a little staircase going up to it to get in the door, and that's where the general contractor hangs out. Well, this had been used for a business and was semi-permanent, so much so that all the tires were flat into the mud, and it looks like it was not going anywhere. So, uh, and it was locked, so we really didn't get to inspect it, um, but we just noted that it's present and to ask the homeowners about its purpose. Uh, is it going to stay with the property and convey? What is going on with it? Um, so some things you just simply have to, it's not like we shirk our duty as home inspectors, but we don't know why something's present. And if we can't figure out the purpose or how it works, etc., then we do put that back on the, the buyer to ask the homeowners about that because they are important. It does need to be noted in the report, but the exact activity of what to do with that is sometimes not something that we know. So let's, uh, so we, after we've inspected all these different properties, uh, sometimes you have some, um, <clears throat> some chicken roosts, some chicken houses. Um, sometimes people have corrals with donkeys and goats and it's like not not that I'm going to get into animal husbandry or or how to properly you know cook cook something up in a in a pot as far as an animal I'm not going to get into that or when do you you know what what do you do with the chickens as far as meat chickens versus uh, egg chickens but I would say that I'd like to take some of these eggs home that would be really nice I'd like to have those every day quite honestly um and, and when, I, when I do go out in the country and inspect a property and I, and I don't see any wildlife during it, like, come on, can't I just at least see a, you know, maybe a flock of seven uh, turkeys? I don't really want to see any more geese because they're kind of annoying and they don't seem to ever go back home. But as far as the turkeys go, you know, I'd like to see them. Um, maybe I get to see a rat snake or a corn snake, but... You know, for this particular inspection, being in the middle of winter, I didn't get to see anything. It was somewhat disappointing as far as the animals go. Um, except there were two very large dogs, and they were kind of kind of nice to look at. Neither here nor there. Uh, so I'll back out of the animal husbandry uh, arena and, and go back onto the barn dominium. So inspecting the building itself, uh, what, are you, what are we looking for? Well, I already talked about the gutters and the drainage, keeping water away. Uh, what about the different patios and pads and, and, and posts holding those up and then, and then the, the metal roofs for those patios and, and, and porches and so forth? Those need to be looked at. So, you know, we are getting a ladder long, you know, long enough to get to various places to look at. We're dealing with our binoculars and monoculars, um, for, but for the areas that we were able to get on, and by the way, a metal roof when you've got a, some snow and ice and, and rain, not a, not a real good thing to walk on, just not smart. Um, so we are doing the best we can with the elements and safety, which is what we did at this inspection. And so you're going to have some external spigots to test, we're going to have external outlets. We're going to have the siding itself to make sure it's all uh, installed correctly. Um, and there were a couple of dings, and there was actually one tear where something must have bumped into the to the rear right corner of the barn dominium, and it was sealed decently, but I think it could be done better. Uh, so that's something that needs a professional repair. 
And so putting the ladder up and looking at the roof. Okay, metal roofs. Now, just kind of a diversion. I live in the uptown area, which is not suburbs. It's not downtown. It's somewhere in between near University of Cincinnati. And I got my wife to okay getting a metal roof. But I've kind of backed away from that. Not because I don't like metal roofs. I love metal roofs, actually. Truth be told, I wish I could get one. I'd like an evergreen, you know, dark green one. Really dark green. And I would love to have that. But then I'd be the only one in my neighborhood. And everybody would draw too much attention to my house, which I really don't want. So I've kind of shied away from that. But... I got to, you know, I get to inspect several of them out in the country, and lo and behold, this one had a nice evergreen metal roof, so I got to enjoy it while I was there. And everybody has seen these metal roofs. You've seen the blue ones for schools, the blue ones for post offices, uh, various strip malls, uh, those sorts of things. So how are they installed? What do they, what do they do? Well, first of all, when you're going to get one, you want to make sure the company is well-versed in them, and that is what they do for their living. You don't want to just go get somebody who installs roofs and says, yeah, we can install a metal roof. Well, there's a lot to it. Okay, it's really important that the fasteners that hold on the three-foot metal strip sections, okay, are installed correctly. They can be... Uh, well, they can be over, over-installed. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Let's say you go to an auto mechanic and they're putting your tires on and they have that air wrench and they over-tighten that thing where it's like if your tire ever goes flat and you're trying to change it out on the highway or out somewhere where you have, where you have to do it yourself, you're not going to be able to get it off because you could probably break your arm before you'd get some of those lug nuts off. Well, that's over-tightened, Okay. When you over-tighten a screw, a hex head um, screw, which really is called a fastener, you have the fastener and a black rubber washer underneath it. If you can't see any of the black rubber washer, then you have either under-tightened or over-tightened that fastener. It should not be pancaked so it's oozing out of the sides. It's overdriven and you could put a dent in the metal. And then you create a place where water gathers. And if water gathers, it's going to expand and contract based on freezing and thawing. You're also going to have a chance of getting water inside, which is going to be a problem over the long term. And when you over-tighten also, the metal rubs on the metal. And then you create a place where rust can form. And that's not good too. Okay, so uh, we are inspecting to make sure things are correctly fastened. That's one thing. Second thing uh, is to look for oxidation. If the roof is older, a lot of times you can have some oxidation starting or rust for the older metal roofs. Um, and that's, uh, that can be a real problem as well. The paint should last quite a long time. It, it's going to be... A, a pretty big finding for an inspector to look at a metal roof and say, you know what, your roof needs to be repainted. Or, you know what, it's time to replace the fasteners. And the fasteners are not going to last forever. They are going to get rusted. 
you are going to need new fasteners at some point and those are also going to need to possibly if you have them replaced when you reinstall them they're probably going to need to be sealed and there are i'm not going to go into all the proper ways of installation because i'm not a, a, a roof installer but there's there's flashing there's proper counter flashing there's lots of different flashing methods for metal roofs um, just like for the fiberglass three tab or the dimensional shingle roofs where you need to do it correctly and the fasteners need to be installed correctly and then in conjunction with the metal roofs having some uh, some some snow and ice guards which stop big chunks of ice from forming near the bottom where it goes into the gutters that's something uh, that is important to have on there as well some people have lightning arresters on them as well depending on where you live and and if you're living in a a very uh, lightning prone area that might be something to consider now insulating is extremely important and when we're inside the barn dominium there's the part where the garage is and then there's the part where the, the living area is. Above the garage, which was about 20 feet tall, above that ceiling is attic also going up to the roof peak. And that had some R19 insulation, which is a huge area that it was insulating for this very large garage. And then you have your walls, which were insulated as well. So it was a very toasty garage to be in. Um, really nice feature for the people buying this house that it was actually very well insulated so what are the things we're looking for as an inspector well <clears throat> because the roof is i've seen some roofs that are insulated with the foam right up against the roof and then what happens is you get moisture because you have some so a cold roof up above and if you have your foam or Tyvex boards that are on top of that underside the metal and then you have your hot air leaked into the attic area or just leaked into the roof itself from an open barn, uh, open garage, um, that's going to cause condensation which is going to run down the roof, drip onto the walls and cause moisture. moisture. So one of the big things that we're looking for as inspectors during this is signs of moisture. Moisture from up above running down the walls is only going to be from one thing and that is condensation from lost heat into an attic hitting a roof which is cold and causing that condensation. So we're looking for good ventilation in the attic areas which is really up above the insulation. It's not really an attic you're going to walk on per se because um, there's really nothing to hold on to when we're up there. Uh, you just see up above there, the R19 insulation is lying on top of uh, some some two by four kind of structure, and and that's pretty much pretty much it. So no moisture is a great sign, and uh, of course with these different structures, you may have a heating system that is out into the garage, which this was a pellet stove that was pretty cool, and it was heating the whole garage pretty nicely. Does it need to be like kept at 70 degrees? Well, maybe, maybe not, but it's certainly not freezing in there and it's not air conditioned. So you basically have to blow some fans. But then when you're in the, the quote house or living area, you do have a 
three-ton air conditioner outside, cooling that. And then inside there, you have, um, which actually was a heat pump. Um, so we tested the emergency heat as well as the normal heat on this winter, winter inspection. And we're not able to run the air conditioner in the cooling mode because it would run in the opposite way. Um, but we were able to test the furnace and, and it was nice and toasty in there. Well insulated, as I said. Um, so overall, and then when we're in the living area overall, we, we are really inspecting it like it's a house. <clears throat> so what's that mean? Well, there's going to be an attic area to look at. There are outlets. There are windows. Um, there are kitchen appliances. And this place actually had two sets of kitchen appliances because out in the garage, <laughs> it was actually a spare bed and a laundry room, which had a shower in it and a sink and a toilet. So that was a third bathroom, believe it or not. So in this barn dominium, we had a three bathroom um, scenario, one in the garage and two in the living area. So we had the master bathroom, the hall or guest bathroom, two bedrooms, which one was the master. We had a normal, you know, attic that we got into and, um, and the kitchen appliances, dishwasher, refrigerator, stove, sink, everything you would expect in a house. And there was nice uh, LVT, luxury vinyl tile on the floor, which had a nice little, uh, not sponginess, but it wasn't like one of those hard as a rock, hard on your knees, hard on your heels and back walking around. It had a little give to it, which made it a pleasant experience. So I would recommend if you're doing a barn dominium, spend the money since you got a concrete floor. Okay, you're basically living in your basement, which is also your first floor. Um, if you're doing one of these, I would suggest spending the money on the floor. Be kind to your heels. Be kind to the balls of your feet, your knees. Remember that all of the walking around forces all push down on you. Uh, from your body weight uh, on the concrete floor. Um, you know, if I lived there, I'd probably be walking around in Crocs 24-7, um, just something to absorb the, the shock of walking around on a concrete floor. So maybe some nice bamboo with a nice pad underneath it. Um, something that, you know, there's, there's always things that you're supposed to put on concrete floors that are a slab, and some that are not. Some some con- form condensation depending on your part of your country. So do listen to the manufacturer's instructions and recommendations and don't violate those because if something says not meant for a bare concrete floor, take their word for it. It's going to form condensation underneath. You're going to have moisture underneath your, your floor covering and that's going to be a problem. So... <clears throat> Do whatever it takes to be kind on your feet, but also follow the manufacturer's instructions. And, and that's probably one of the things for long term that you want to spend good money on because your body's important and the, the shock of walking around on a hard floor uh, does take its toll over time. So that's how this barn dominium inspection went. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I loved being out in the country, walking around, seeing all the things. I didn't see any animals, which was a bummer, but it was a very enjoyable inspection. It went very well. 
Uh, it was very well installed, very well built. The layout was nice. I could see myself living there. Uh, if I could just get my wife to okay that. Um, at any rate, this has been another episode of the Successful Home Ownership Show with your host, Richard McKenzie. First inspection services out of the greater Cincinnati areas. And remember, our email address is richard at firstinspections.com. That's spelled with the number one ST at the beginning, and inspections is plural. Until our next episode, thank you for li- listening. <laughs>